Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? Welcome to the first episode of season two of the Plant Witch Podcast. This season, we'll be adding some new voices to our conversations, beginning with Amy Blackthorne. Amy is a professional intuitive and the best-selling author of Blackthorne's Botanical Magic, Sacred Smoke, and Blackthorne's Botanical Brews. She's appeared on HuffPost Live, Netflix's Top 10 Secrets and Mysteries, in an episode about supernatural abilities, and in the AP Newswire. Amy lives in Delaware. You can view her tea shop at blackthornsbotanicals.com. Amy, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's such a pleasure to get to talk to you and to see you. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so tickled to see your face. I know. For the listeners, we are seeing each other on a Zoom call, but you'll be just hearing us. <laughs> we have not gotten right. to see each other's faces in person since the last minute before the pandemic <laughs> shut down. Yeah. So this is a fabulous. It was like March or something, like right yes. before everything shut down. So yeah, it's really good to see you. Well, Amy, I asked you to come and talk to us today about this whole idea of like being a merchant witch and how we hold the sacredness of our work and our magic and our relationship with the plants, as well as, you know, making a living off of this. And how do we walk in those like ethical um, realms between those two, those two worlds? Um, I'm going to start by just reading a little part of um the, the intro to your book, Blackthorn's Botanical Magic, which is, you know, I read this book before I knew you and I knew from this passage that you really got it. Like you really got um, the depth of the magic of the plant world. You say um, with botanical magic, you're going right to the source. You're tapping directly into the realm of magic, into the heartbeat of the earth and creating a change for yourself, a change that you control. And that's exactly how I experience it too. Like when the plants take us right in like a door to the source of magic. Um, so would you mind just talking to us a little bit about what that's like for you connecting to the plants in that way that you describe in your intro? It's so beautiful. When we look at the plants that we have in our own backyards, we, we tend to take them for granted because they're always there. But when you wander into your local shop or you're able to grab a pick up a bottle of essential oil and really experience the soul of that plant it's not just a single plant anymore it's now the amalgamation of sometimes hundreds of pounds of individual plants so it reaches further than individuality and into the spirit of that plant the spirit of peppermint or the spirit of turmeric each of these plants i feel like has the the higher consciousness of a the individual plant itself, the, the thought of peppermint or the spirit of peppermint. And so being able to reach past our own backyard and really put ourselves in connection and in working in communion with 
that that particular plant is such it's so immense because you're no longer a person making cement tea you are now working with the thought form or a gregor of peppermint you're tapping into anyone who's ever had that sick chest cold and reached for a cup of mint tea to alleviate their symptoms and make them feel whole within themselves. You're, that is a, a lineage that goes back as far as people go back. Picking these plants and incorporating them into scenes and that connection is something that you can't buy, you can't pay for, you have to reach within yourself to make that connection. And that's something that we take for granted in a capitalist society. You can't purchase this. You can't. You have to make it yourself from scratch. There's no shortcuts. Just time and attention. Mm -hmm. mm, that makes me think of um, a, a time I got burned by accident by um, poison hemlock. It creates like photosensitivity on the skin, which I didn't know, and I had a pretty nasty burn, and um, I still have the scar from it. And I th I look at that and I think like wow, this is my connection to Socrates, you know, like <laughs> yes. I, I have this burn from the plant that was used to poison him. Like, so the plants, they really are a door, not just like you're saying to the essence of that plant, but to everyone who that plant has ever touched. Yes. Our ancestors, the animals who eat the plants for medicine, because they do, you know, they're this great connector. I totally resonate with that. So, so the reverence for the plant world, I feel like more and more people are getting savvy to using plants. We hear people say they use plants. I use this for this. I use yes. this for this. <laughs> um, but when we come to the work with the plants as an ally and in relationship, it, that's different than using the plants for something. Absolutely. They are, they have sentience. We've proven plants have consciousness, individual plants, as well as the overarching spirit of the plant. Uh, if those of you who are interested in the topic, The Findhorn Garden is an amazing book that talks about the relationship of to our, between ourselves and the, the higher guardians of each individual plant spirit or animal spirit or fungi. Uh, they, there's a section in there, there's a passage where they were going to till a garden. And so they're like, okay, this is an, this is an experiment for all of us. We're going to see what happens. They, they centered themselves and tried to connect to the spirit of the earthworms in this section of dirt and they let them know like when the sun moves this much we're gonna we're gonna come in till so if you can move out of this section and away from there you won't get hurt and they they come back in half an hour or whatever and they dig and see you couldn't find any worms but the section that wasn't plow they were they were gonna leave alone plenty of worms all the worms in the whole world were over here so it was that connection and that resonance they said look they we are connected. We can connect. We just have to stop and listen. We're so dug into our phones and our social media and, and the work and, and doing the things that it becomes a challenge to stop long enough to listen. But if we allow ourselves to stop and, and really connect, we realize that things around us are so much bigger than we ever give ourselves credit for. We, we think ourselves ourselves as small because science has shown us how big the universe and the multiverse are. But that doesn't make us small. That makes us connected. We are part of the stars. We're part of the sun. We're part of moons that we'll never, ever see. That is big. 
Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that the plants totally grok that. Yes. <laughs> like they are so, <laughs> get it so much better than we ever will. Yes. They get it. They remember it. Their memory is long. Like they remember us when we were just crawling out of the ocean, you know, they've been watching us this whole time and they, they, and I feel like they really invite us back into that kind of connectedness that we yeah. are forgetting or have forgotten. They are reaching out every day. Uh, one of the particular things that really resonated with my tradition, the green witchcraft tradition was taking very frequent walks on your property and noticing what plants are where, because those plants travel. They, you can find them really close to your house. You can find them way out in the woods you can find. And so we really examine where they are, where they appear in relation to your home because they have messages for us. So for example, um, salvia inflata, we always, there's one little leaf, you know, you take it, you know, chew on it before you go out on your weed walk and it helps open you to the spirits of the different plants. If it's closer to my house, I know, oh, hey, somebody's, somebody wants me to listen. About seven, we'll say, yeah, seven years ago, uh, all of a sudden, one day I was out doing my, my regular rounds around the exterior of the home, make, reinforcing the monthly protections and doing all that good connective stuff. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, really, the line of my fence was ringed in poke, like a lot of poke. All of a sudden, I live in the woods, so there's not a lot of sun for it to grow and have berries and be fruitful and happy. And all of a sudden, there was just this big stretch of poke surrounding my backyard. So I'm thinking, okay, what do I need protection from? Because poisons are protective. Uh, and it's in my backyard, so, it's, so I can't see it, what's behind me. Okay, what message is this? It turned out that I had a stalker who was violent and uh, not well. And I didn't know it. They were, Poke was reaching out to say, hey, pay attention. There's something you need protection from that you're not looking at. Mm -hmm. That, I'm convinced, saved my life. I was able to act appropriately and involve law enforcement and protections were put in place. And Poke really did me a solid. <laughs> yes, oh, I love that. And for people who are thinking like, how do I know what plants are trying to tell me what? And like, if it's growing near my back door, what's it telling me? You do profile quite a few plants in your books, um, giving information about what kind of messages they carry, what their medicine is like, um, recipes you can use those plants in. So yeah, I, I keep your books around as a reference regularly to help me have a broader perspective of the plants. When people tell me that my books are, you know, in their kitchen cookbook selection or, you know, right at hand instead of going to find wherever it is, that's that's the best compliment a writer can get, like having it on hand. Because, I mean, you look at Blackthorn's Botanical Magic, the original manuscript was 450 pages. Like, I don't expect anyone to memorize all the information in here. I want this to be something that you reach for on a daily or weekly basis where you can say, oh, this is that thing that I read about, that one. Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, here it is. Because mm -hmm. with these, with this book, it's not buy a thousand things to make one recipe. It's a thousand things to do with one plant. Simplify everything. You know, get to know three plants. Get to know the ones that you're, they're your most favorite. You can use them in culinary work. You can use them in energetic work. But really getting to know them in all of their faces before adding another plant or another three plants is so much better than trying to cram the entirety of 
a book into your brain all at once. It's not going to stay. And because the plants are so connected to source or like that primal energy of the heartbeat of the earth, I love how you say that, every plant can be a door for us into that energy and, and introduce us to other plants. You know, I find that like, as I work with, let's say I'm really into lavender right now. So I pick up Blackthorn's Botanical Magic. I look up lavender. You happen to have a spell in there with lavender and let's say rose. I haven't worked with rose very much, but I bring that into the the work I'm doing. Suddenly now I have a relationship with rose. They tend to like be networkers too, I think. Oh yeah. Rose and geranium are hanging out together. So popular you know, raising up for the geranium. And so you, it's so great to try and figure out where those threads take us. You know, there's mm-hmm. 12 different scent families of geranium. You know, the rose ones are really popular, but I like the clove ones. You know, it, it all ebbs and flows together. Totally. So as we're bringing plants into our life, whether we're drinking them as tea, which you blend teas also, um, whether you infuse them into oil, whether you're working with essential oils, Talk to me about the quality of different plant matter that we buy from different people. Like what's the difference energetically between a really high quality plant material and, you know, plant dust that we end up getting sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is the best question. So that's actually one of the things that led me to start Blackthorns Botanicals and blending my own magical teas because I'd go into a shop and I'd I'd look around and the only thing available was this company that's probably been around since the 70s had a you know a pink label and black ink and it's folding over a piece of plastic and this is supposed to be tea but it just looks like dried dust in a clear package with no protection from the sun and it's like what are you doing? That's not no. People thought when you think herbal tea, they think dirt water and they're, they're very unhappy about it. But magic is every day. Everything that we do is magic. And I want to remind people that there's a way to really incorporate the things that we're seeking in our soul and the things that taste good. <laughs> they don't have to be mutually exclusive. So when you are able to get it, your hands on I'm gonna, <laughs> a, a bottle of uh, benzoin from uh, mountain rose herbs they're they're organic and they're whole harvesting and they're they really care about where their supplies come from and you can not only smell the difference when you're working with those plant materials but you can really it feels like the difference between rinsing your hands in dirty mop water and bathing in a clean spring that's come down from the mountains <laughs> there's a real penetrative difference in those two feelings you know when I'm one of the things that people say oh I love sandalwood where can I find sandalwood it's hard to find well if you know what you're looking for um, you can go to a place like Mountain Rose because they have ethically harvested sandalwood you know where instead of you know it's not poached the because it's hard to get those trees people go into places into countries where it's found and protected they sneak in in the middle of the night cut down the tree sneak it into another country to have that's not the energy i want in my my working that's no 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 instead you go with the uh, instead of the sound album you go to the stenta spiccata that that really it's got a little spicy note for a sandalwood and it comes from australia they have incredible stewardship standards they're incredible with the way that they handle their botanical allies for every tree that they harvest they have to plant three by law my favorite 
farm in Australia is it's just, all they do is grow sandalwood. It's three times the size of the country of France. The whole country <laughs> of France. <laughs> That's one farm. That's one sandalwood farm. And they're, wow. they're so connected to the plants that they work with, to the land that they live on. And they're able to pay the people that work there a living wage. It's not, it's so important. I mean, when you look at frankincense, people say, oh my God, frankincense is a trillion dollars an ounce. Why is this a thing? The minute you plant a frankincense seed that might germinate into a tree, it takes 20 years before it's able to produce the sap that can dry to become frankincense tears and then be transformed in that essential oil that we can buy in the store. So even if you're paying $100 for a five milliliter bottle, it's still diluted. It's still adulterated just to save your pocketbook. So it, it has to have carry. It's 20 years of paying the mortgage and the water bill and the poor guy who comes and rides the lawnmower. <laughs> All of those expenses before you can even hope to start recouping a, pro- a profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I When I read that in your book about the frankincense taking 20 years before you can harvest, <laughs> the, the cost started to make more sense to me. Um, you also talk in the appendix of Blackthorn's Botanical Magic about things you can do at home to tell whether or not your oil, your essential oils are high quality or if they're adulterated. So you talk about like um, adding a drop of your essential oil to water and then watching to see if it keeps a little oily blob or not. Um, <laughs> and if it does, it's probably got a carrier oil adulterating it. Um, if you put it on a piece of paper and you come back and you watch how the scent evaporates and what notes come through. I mean, you give like a really detailed way for us to tell at home without, you know, requesting test results (laughs) from the company, (laughs) which you can also do. But it's a, it's sneaky. Those, those results could be, it could be from one bottle. They they tested 10 years ago. There's so much variation in what the, as nice as it is to be able to request um, GCMS results from a company, it's very tricky because you could take a low quality lavender essential oil and high quality essential oil, mix them together. And even though it doesn't say that it's adulterated and the GCMS aspect says, oh yeah, this is good stuff. doesn't mean it's the best quality because they could, they're just trying to elevate the, the cheap stuff. You know, mm-hmm. the GCMS won't tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you give us tools to empower us at home to be able to discern whether or not the oil we've bought is qual- is high quality. Yes. Um, and you, and you mentioned mountain rose herbs. That's a company I also love and work with. Um, and I want to just like put our toes on the line of a controversial <laughs> topic. You could yes! go in as far or as not far into this conversation as you want, but you know what I'm going to say? I, I just want to like, I just want to hear your thoughts about the MLM companies for essential oils and, and where you stand on that. It was so that those companies are the reason there's testing available in the back of the book, because there are oils like frankincense or Jasmine or Neroli that are diluted to save your pocketbook. They're, they're absolutes and they're incredibly expensive. They're beautiful quality. I'm actually eyeballing a CO2 of vanilla, 12% vanilla. Oh, you know it's the real stuff because it smells like old books. So mm-hmm. those that is an ethical company that will tell you this is twelve percent in you know, vanilla and in uh, whatever carrier is. The bottles will say ten percent in jojoba. They tell you what they're adulterating with. They're letting you know upfront we're saving your pocketbook 
So we can make a profit. We both win. What doesn't work for me is when you take a readily available oil that is that produces lots and lots of volatile compounds like an orange essential oil, for example, and dilute it with water for no therapeutic value so they can make a profit off of your ignorance. That upsets me. I want to empower everyone to move forward in their connection with the plants. I'm not about putting their money in someone else's pocketbook. They, they try so hard to help people and they wind up preying on them. And that's, that's, that's scary and upsetting. Um, so I, I want people to test their materials and test where they, they come from and keep notes and bring journals and do all sorts of research that says, this company has my best interest at heart. I, I want anyone to get that same connection. I was writing Blackthorns Botanical Magic and I, I work out of these little two milliliter bottles that are easy to handle and easy to find. You know, I'm finished with them. They're easy to recycle. It's great. I love it. So I got one from a friend because I was writing, I was starting to work on the chapter on lemongrass and I ran out. My regular supplier was going to take a couple days, but I'm a Virgo. I'm working in order. I've got my list and then I've got the list of my lists. <laughs> so I really wanted to get lemongrass started that day. Well, a friend of mine sold for insert, you know, fill in the blank MLM here. She said, oh, I've got some, I'll give it to you. Great. Well, I always start with my testing grab that piece of paper, draw a little circle around it, really test and see what it is. And I was really upset to find that the lemongrass that she gave me was dyed green, like bright, ridiculous chlorophyll green. And lemongrass essential oil is not that color. That doesn't, color doesn't occur in nature. <laughs> Definitely not in the essential oil. Um, and I was really disappointed. She, she was convinced, oh, it must have been the, the glass of the bottle dyed your water. No, I'm sorry, honey, that, that doesn't work. There's no reason for them to have put food coloring in this dye. It doesn't look like that. It, you're not making it look any better. They did the same thing with some blue chamomile. I, I went to test it and it was brighter than Smurf blue. A single drop of blue chamomile is a pale green, not a ridiculous garish blue. So you can tell a lot just by looking at a drop of the oil on your favorite watercolor notebook. Okay. I want to connect people with the ethical companies that are out there. I know sandalwood is expensive. So grab, buy the smallest amount you can and test it yourself. Go and, go and get that depth, get that information. Be scientists, experiment, play around with this and find what works for you. You might decide to buy one oil from this guy and one oil from that guy and two from the farm down the street. That's fine. Support ethical companies as best you can. I know Mountain Rose is expensive. It, I, I am privileged enough to have the ability to work with them, but not everybody has that experience. So I tell people to get to know their local farmers. They're, when, when people contact me privately, they say, where do I buy my thing? What brand is the best? There's a small family-owned farm in Hawaii that I love to send people to. They distribute through Amazon because shipping from Hawaii costs the earth. <laughs> but they're a small family farm. They grow 90% of what they sell. They distill it on their property. And it's grown with love in Hawaii in the, in the sunshine state. No, in the, oh, goodness. That, that's Florida. <laughs> where, sun, where happiness lives. They, the grows where happiness lives. <laughs> and it's the great thing about that is Small farms don't have the money to spend on ridiculous amounts of chemicals and gross stuff. They just don't. Chemicals are expensive. I, say, I tell people the same thing when they're, they want to find the best produce. 
don't ask your local farmer about that O word. We don't say organic here because the federal government takes a huge chunk of your money, profit or no, to be able to use that O word. And it's Mm -hmm. hard for a lot of farmers who have been raised in a culture of self-sustainability to sign a piece of paper saying, yes, you, the federal government can come onto my property at two o'clock in the morning and test my soil with no warning at all. It's really hard for some people to, to consider. Mm-hmm. So don't just walk up to a farmer at the farmer's market and ask, is your fruit organic? Cause otherwise I'm not, I'm not staying here. No, get to know your local farmers, learn what they're using. If they're using anything, they might have an organic option for the, the plants because that's what's best for the plants. But keep in mind that chemicals cost money and they're not going to use it unless it's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And for some, some plants, you know, that you, you mentioned sandalwood or frankincense that are really, really expensive as an essential oil because there is a process. I mean, it takes a lot of plant material to make essential oil Mm. and the extraction process is tedious. So we can buy whole plant material and work with that too. If essential oil is out of our reach to, if we're really committed to quality plant products, um, you know, we could, you mentioned frankincense tears, you can get the whole resin, you can work with it by itself. You can burn it as an incense, which we talk about in sacred smoke. You can infuse it in oil. You can infuse it in water. Like there are lots of ways to access the, the magic of that plant. If essential oil is out of your reach. Oh, yes. And with the the advent of more green friendly companies, we'll say, um, there are great infuser companies that are coming out with materials that you can use at home. Um, There's a one that I I found recently called the herbal infuser. I make comfrey salve with it. I make uh, I made a violet salve for Beltane. You know, it has a 45 minute setting, a 90 minute setting or a four hour setting, depending on the type of material you're working with. If I want to make a glyceride, I can hit it for four hours and come back and strain out my plant material and it's ready. Rather than trying to search down a hydrosol or finding essential oils in something that's hard to find or, you know, rare or even expensive. So those are, those at-home options are great. I just worry about the the at-home distilleries because distillation is a dangerous and potentially explosive uh, pr- proposition. So don't enter into that lightly. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I find infused oils are just such a wonderful way to work with plants like whole infused, like olive oil or avocado oil or jojoba or sweet almond oil, whatever your carrier oil of choice infused with whole plant material. You know, we use far less of the plant. We can do it easily and safely at home, either with ambient room temperature for six weeks or in an infuser like you're talking about or a crock pot on the low setting. Like (laughs) we can do that kind of infusion. And then the oil we have can be used to anoint our candles, to anoint our spiritual centers. Oh, you have something to say. I see your excitement. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite, favorite tool uh, for this work right now is a 10 milliliter roll-on bottle. One, they come in a variety of colors. Um, got oilsupplies.com has violet ones that I'm entranced with. They also have a collector set of the actual roller balls that go in the 10 milliliter roll-on bottle that are pre- semi-precious gemstones. So you can, <laughs> genius. <laughs> so you can place a drop of an essential oil that's potentially sensitizing for your fingers, say black pepper oil or cinnamon, and you can now draw 
with the rollerball, just like a magical pen. You can draw in candles, you can draw in petitions, you can make, make a copy of your court documents and scribble on them, but you now have a magical pen and you don't have to risk your, your digits with precious oils. Um, and it's, it's safe, it's economic. You're only using a drop of essential oil in some carrier and you can make a really potent ally into a very useful tool very quickly and easily. You're saving your money, you're saving your materials, and it's just so handy. Yes. I'm getting this image of like drawing sigils on my body with it as well. You know, that's a way of like magically imprinting my body with the oils. Um, Yeah, that's a really beautiful idea, Amy. Thank you for sharing that. Happy to. Yes. And I haven't seen the semi-precious stone rollerballs. I'm going to be looking those up when we're done. Yes. So fantastic. <laughs> I love it. It's incredible. And yeah, it's a set of 12 and there's jaspers and obsidians and tiger's eye and all sorts of um, really beautiful stones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, you know, a big part of our work as like modern witches is being able to prioritize Um, Oh, thank you. You put it in the chat. Thank you. Um, Being able to prioritize our, the integrity of our magic, as well as the practicality of our livelihood. Yes. So like how, how we can protect our budget and our pocketbook, you know, you're Virgo, you totally get that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But how do we also, you know, make sure we're getting the best quality essential oil, plant matter, all of that. So besides like, shopping around and um, getting resourceful with using whole plant material and things like that. Have you found any other ways that have really worked for you to walk that line? Uh, One of the very uh, involved and vocal parts of the community right now is helping people to understand how difficult it is when working with uh, white sage. It's very popular. People are trying to help find ways to replace it with something that's not extractive, that's not appropriative, that's still magically resourceful, but without, with very carefully treading that line. And my favorite thing to do is there are 829 members of the Salvia family that are just outside the realm of sage. Whether you're planting regular garden sage or you're finding something really beautiful and delightful like uh, salvia apiana or uh, uh, mexican bush sage salvia lecantha you know you can find these really beautiful pieces to replace that apiana that white sage with that are easy to grow that are happy to be in your space you know the the white sage doesn't like to be farmed it's it grows on the side of a mountain in california the problem with those those stores that make it so easy to obtain, you know, those places that usually sell, you know, beer bongs and flip-flops, <laughs> you you know that they're not taking the time to make sure it's ethically sourced and that it's not poached. People are sneaking into indigenous lands, filling backpacks full of white sage and then crossing back out of the lane and selling it when that's money that can go to indigenous communities. Uh, there are specific indigenous communities who sell their own harvests, who sell their own materials and their own wares, and you're supporting the indigenous community. That's fantastic. Grow something yourself if you can't, if you there, if there's no one close by that you can trust that this is ethically sourced. Something like the, the Mexican bush sage is beautiful. They have long spires of two foot long trails of these little hummingbird flowers. It's softer than lamb's ears and it smells, smells spicy and warm in a way that 
the white sage doesn't necessarily have. It still has that warm sage smell to it, but it has a little spice to it too. And that way you're attracting pollinators to the rest of your garden and everybody wins. It's very easy to find them to make your own um, herbal bundles with for smoking purposes. You're making sure that everybody wins and you're not appropriating from any indigenous communities. Yeah, that is such an important conversation. And I've been seeing it happening in a lot of places. And um, we have so many plans available to us that want to assist us in clearing the air and making the communication with the other worlds more accessible. Like white sage is not the only plant that can do that. And no. yeah. <laughs> it's it's got yeah. become part of the lexicon. People talk about saging instead of smoke cleansing because it's it's part of the lexicon. It was really important in um, sacred smoke to talk about the hierarchy of plant allies and their their materials and the way that they aid us in, in our work. Leaves are one of the weakest members of that. You know, it's great for clearing the air, but it's not going to get rid of nastier things that people joke about, oh, exercising demons with sage. And that's not a thing. If it, people, I get so many um, house clearing clients that come to me, they say, I think there's something nasty in my house and I tried sage, but three days later it was back and it was angry. That's because it, what, you need the next step up the wrong middle of the ladder. You know, you start getting into your woods and your resins. Dragon's blood is one of my favorites. It's got that dark, musky, warm smell and it's some powerful magic right there. So the more concentrated the volatile oils are in the plant material, the stronger that energy is, which is why resins are so highly valuable when it comes to working energetic and clearing houses for things like nasty spirits or potentially poltergeists or ghosts or, you know, whatever it, it is happening. And you want to make sure that you've got the heavy, heavy hitters that you need, you know, mm -hmm. smoke cleansing with some plant materials. That's nice for making the air clean and clear. And if you maintain a regular cleaning schedule, that's great. You know, full moon, I go out and burn my lavender and clove. Perfect. All I'm telling you is just rotate your protections. Uh, I talk about it in Sacred Smoke. It's like if, if you have a purple polka dot monster and who only responds to purple polka dot plants, if you're trying sage all week, it's not gonna, nothing's going to happen. You build up that uh, a magical version of a medically resistant staph infection. <laughs> You've got to rotate it up. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I, I was um, introduced to the method of making a plant bath, which I had never done before. And a friend who works with South American healers taught me about um, ceremonially cutting, harvesting plants um, with the prayer to be cleansing and protecting of the space, um, many different kinds of plants, and then making kind of like a flower essence or a sun essence with them. And then adding alcohol to stabilize and spraying the air. So that's even another, there's so many ways we can work with the plants um, to help keep our space clear, help keep our energy clear and to keep us connected to the helpers and the guides and that want to be a part of our healing. Um, yeah, I feel like we could talk about this all day. <laughs> we really could. <laughs> yeah, we really could. Is there any parting message or last nugget of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners today? every plant they're reaching out for us to work with them both in their way and on our terms they want to meet in the middle you just have to be willing to reach out you have to be willing to quiet yourself and humble yourself enough to reach outside of yourself so whether it's the white clover that's growing in the lawn you know 
that's reaching out for the message of joy and happiness or the pink clover saying, hey, let's let's get some vitamin C in you. Plants are around us every day and they are desperate for to form a connection with us, to be heard, to be seen. And that's really all anybody wants, isn't it? We just have to reach out. Yes, just reach out and see them. They're leaning in. Thank you so much, Amy. If people want to get connected with you, I said it in the intro, but let's just say it again. <laughs> You can find information on all my books at amyblackthorn.com. I've got a protection magic book that's coming out next. It's really intense. Then if you want to check out Blackthorn's Botanicals for magical teas, oils, salves, autographed copies of my books, that's blackthornsbotanicals.com. It'll take you right to the shop. I just, I want to work with my community and really support one another. There's, there's so much that we can all learn together. Yes, there is. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.